Hi, everyone, and welcome back to House Wine. Uh, so this is a show for anyone who would like to know about wine, learn about wine, drink good wine. Uh, and I'm your host. My name is Rachel. I also write and produce the show. I'm a certified sommelier from Toronto. And we have uh, the Pillow Fort all set up this morning. I'm recording during the day, so that's a little unusual. But Pillow Fort's all set up so that we can talk about the wines of Bandol. So... I wanted to, um, before we get into that, at the top of the show, uh, just start with a correction, actually, regarding an episode that was posted almost a year ago, and that was the episode on Franciacorta. Uh, a listener brought to my attention on Instagram that there is no such designation as a Franciacorta rosé, Satan. So there is Frangicorda Seitan and there is Frangicorda Rosé, but there's no Frangicorda Rosé Seitan, which I did a little digging on and I was a little confused by. Uh, it seems that there are two permitted grapes for Seitan. Uh, one is Chardonnay and one is Pinot Blanc. So uh, indeed on the Frangicorda website, it looks like there is only a white wine made of this, but because of the Pinot Blanc, it can sometimes have like a little pink Hinge. So my mistake, uh, I went on to Guildsom, which is a paid service um, and has a compendium of all the regions that shows all the styles uh, they make and the communes, etc. And there is, in fact, in a line there that says that they do make Frangicorda Rosé. Um, however, though, Guildsom is usually very accurate. I don't often use it for the show too much uh, because it is a paid uh, subscription site. And I like to use free resources so that I can put all my resources in the show notes and so that you guys can see them too. So I use it for fact checks and instances like this um, because they are a paid service and they also have their own podcast. Um, but it's still written by humans and humans make mistakes. So for all intents and purposes, we're going to stick to the correction that Seitan uh, Frangicorda is only a white wine. Uh, but if there is any different sources out there or if any of you are able to find anything or if you have indeed maybe had a mystery bottle of Rosé Seitan, uh, please let me know and this conversation will continue because for some reason I like remembered having one years ago, um, but I looked back on my notes from that tasting. Uh, it happened all the way back in 2018 and I couldn't find any information on a rosé seitan. So obviously my memory was also not probably correct. It was probably just a white frangicorda with like a higher percentage of Pinot Blanc and like a slightly pink tinge. Um, but just an aside, I love it when you guys send me corrections. I love it when you send me comments. So please keep them coming. For so long, wine has been a very closed space where sommeliers were always kind of trying to one up another with like trivia and facts. Um, but if we have open conversations and open dialogues and try to teach one another, uh, we only make everybody better. And that is why I set up my little pillow fort in the first place and record these shows. So. If ever you see something or if ever you hear something that kind of makes you go, I don't know if that's 100% correct, um, please contact me and let me know because I'm not just saying it. I, I actually honestly do love the feedback, though I do try and rigorously research every episode. So knock on wood, hopefully there's not too many corrections in these episodes. Um, but that's enough about Frangicorda because we're not talking about Frangicorda today. We are talking about the wines of Bandol. 
B-A-N-D-O-L. So like a lot of regions, or wine regions rather, Bandol is one of those places, those like super beautiful, how do people even get to live here, postcard places that on top of being a world-class resort town, hosting the F1, being right next to the sea, also happens to make some pretty exceptional wines. So Bandol is part of Provence, and it is a city, but it's also sort of this like amphitheater-shaped crescent that looks out onto the sea on the east side of Provence. And it's a wine region in its own right. It's this little bay that looks over the Mediterranean. And like Provence, this is part of the Côte d'Azur region of France, uh, known for basically all things luxury, you know, yachting, car racing, beaches, boating, rosé. I said it already, but this place is literally a postcard. So, of course, if we're going to talk about the history here, then we have to talk about the Romans, because like for most of southern France, they were really the ones that brought wine here and they brought their winemaking traditions with them. So there is wine dating back here till about the 6th century BCE, and it's one of the oldest places in France where they found history of winemaking. Uh, like most of south of France, like most of the south of France, <laughs> again, this is no different. Uh, when we're talking about regions that surround Provence, like Bordeaux to the west and Rhone to the north, they were really all at the height of winemaking around the 19th century, and they were all really started by the Romans. And then, of course, all hard hit with phylloxera, and it was a slow climb back up to the top. So in 1939, they created in Bandol the Syndicat des Producteurs, a group that were dedicated to and most likely modeled after the Chateauneuf-de-Pape model, kind of trying to lock down the Bandol style, and making an application to the INAO in regards to securing themselves an AOP. And they did just that, and they were granted their appellation status in 1941. So what makes Bandol so special? Why does it get its own episode apart from the full episode that we're going to do on Provence? Well, you know that when I think a place is a little bit extra special, that has just a little bit extra going on, I like to give it a deep dive so that we get to know as much as possible about this place. And Bandol actually has quite a bit going on for a region that probably isn't really part of like the common lexicon of wine. You know, I think sommeliers and like a lot of wine professional professionals, having trouble speaking this morning, wine professionals know Bandol, but I don't necessarily know if Bandol is like a household name to people who are just getting into wine or maybe just wine curious. It is definitely a wine that presents very well on the world stage. And Bandol is one of the sunniest places in France. They have over 3,000 hours of sunlight per year, which is intensified by its amphitheater shape that looks over the ocean, meaning that not only is there a lot of sunlight, but it lasts throughout the day. It isn't, you know, a matter of like the east side getting more sunny than the west side. It's pretty much sunny everywhere, making it the ideal place to grow grapes that really thrive in the heat. To maximize this even further, the hilly and mountainous terrain that stretches all the way from the town of Bandol itself, which 
is right by the right by the sea and then kind of goes up into this like mountainous terrain that overlooks the sea has been terraced over generations and these terraces are low dry stone walls that face south towards the Mediterranean and they're often referred to as the balcony that overlooks the sea how beautiful is that uh, but the actual term that the bandoli bandolians band people of bandol the people of bandol uh, use for these terraces is restank. That's R-E-S-T-A-I-N-Q-U-E-S. Um, and that's probably like a question that you would see on like an advanced exam or maybe a master's exam. They love asking like terraced, terraced vineyard questions. What's the name of this terracing? You know, that's like that that feels like a high level advance a high level exam question to me. I don't know. It's never been on one of my exams, but if it was, I'd be like, oh yeah, tracks. Uh, so now the hillside here, uh, continuing on, is very important. It is the Southern Massif de Saint Baume range, and the reason that this is important is because these hills actually shield the vineyards of Bandol from the Mistral wind. And we talked about the Mistral quite a bit when we talked about the Rhone. Um, but the Coles Notes version of the Mistral is that this wind comes up off the Mediterranean through Provence and into the Rhone Valley, and it is particularly strong in Provence and can be pretty damaging to wine growing and just kind of to property in general. There's, you know, all kinds of lore in Provence that when the Mistral wind blows so strong, it makes people go mad. Personally, I love reading about the myth associated with the Mistral, and though I have never gotten to experience it, I really hope that one day I get to go to Provence and like feel this wind because I've read about it so much. Uh, so one day, one day I'll go there. But this is not a problem in Mandol, which means that all the effects, good and bad, that the Mistral brings, they're kind of not here. So they're able to have these terraced vineyards, which are great on hills because they prevent erosion and soil erosion, but they also uh, don't get the cooling effects of this wind. So I will say it again, Bandol is very hot. This is like a hot, sunny Mediterranean climate. And for all you soil nerds out there, the main soils here are limestone, marl, and sandstone. And this is reflected in the vineyard, but it's also reflected in those dry stone walls used to make the terracing. So now I think the question is, what should we talk about first? Should we talk about grapes or should we talk about rules and communes? I think we're going to start off with grapes. And in all, there are 12 grapes that are permitted for the production of Bandol wines and that are allowed within those AOP rules. So for reds, this is really the land of Mourvedre. You have also Grenache, Syrah, uh, Senso, and Carignan. And for whites, you're really looking at Claret, Bourboulanc, Roll, which is the way that they like to say Vermentino in Bandol and some other parts of Provence. You also have Marsan, you've got Uniblanc, Semillon, and Sauvignon. I'm assuming this is Sauvignon Blanc. Um, I wrote that in my notes for this episode, but I just wrote Sauvignon. So let's say Sauvignon Blanc, and then I'll look it up, and if there's a correction later, I can correct it to Sauvignon Verde. 
some kind of Sauvignon. And these are all wines we've seen before, basically all around the world. Um, a lot of those reds like Mouvedras and So and Carignan have all played heavily whenever we've talked about South Africa because they are grapes that like heat and are quite drought resistant. And also a lot of these grapes, the whites and reds, are grapes that we've seen pop up in the northern and southern Rhone, which makes sense because Provence and by extension, Bandol is like the southern extension to the southern Rhone. It's basically what is just below the southern Rhone. Let's go a bit of a little deeper dive and look at Mourvedre, because this is really the star of the show in Bandol. Red wines have to be a minimum of 50% Mourvedre, and rosé wines a minimum of 20% Mourvedre, but both can be up to 95% Mourvedre. And Bandol is really one of those sort of like benchmark places in the world where Mourvedre performs best, and where it's kind of the most at home. Mourvedre is also known as Montestrel in Spain, and this is believed to be where it originated originated, originated <laughs> from, though it's also one of those grapes, much like Grenache, that's found really all over the Mediterranean. Uh, the first mentions of it, however, are from Valencia in the 1300s, and it also finds some cred in the New World, uh, mostly in Australia, where it also goes by the alias Mataro. It came to Provence in the 16th century, and this is when you start to really see an increase in plantings of it in Provence and in Bandol especially. And why is that? That's because this grape is late ripening. It needs a lot of sunshine hours and a lot of heat to mature. So it's perfect for the south of France and other places where they have an abundance of sunlight. This grape is also rarely grown more than 80 kilometers inland of the Mediterranean when it's grown in Europe. But we also see this mirrored in some of the other areas around the world where it's grown, like South Africa, where it's really a coastal grape that does well in proximity to the sea and to sunshine. And here in Bandol, though it really is the French home of Mouvedre, Spain is where it has the most plantings. France has the second most plantings in the world of this grape, but like many of the grapes of Spain and the south of France, it's rarely found alone. Though Bandol is known for having a higher percentage of Mouvedre, it's rarely bottled as a mono varietal. This is usually blended with a little bit of Syrah or Carignan to sort of soften it down, we shall say. Uh, the reds here are usually a blend. We'll go into a little bit of um, wine law now. Uh, the reds here are usually a blend that rely on 50 to 95% of Mouvedre, but can also contain Senso or Grenache. Though sometimes they sneak in a little Carignan or Syrah, neither of those last two grapes may exceed more than 10% of the blend. And Mouvedre is always the star. And the same is true for the wines or the rosé wines of Bandol. And these are some seriously Seriously delicious rosés, by the way. And there's a reason that we're doing a whole episode on Pendle in the middle of the summer, so that you know what to look for if you're feeling in the mood for a rosé that kind of like takes it up a notch. These rosé wines are also very reliant on Mouvedre. Legally, they must have anywhere from 20 to 95% Mouvedre grape. However, like the red wines, they can also include Sanso and Grenache. And there are some pretty specific rules here for how the rosé wines may contain red and white grapes, specifically Bourboulanc, Carignan, Syrah, Claret, and Uni Blanc. These are allowed to make up 20% of the blend. However, this is where it gets a little confusing with percentages, etc. Because even though these grapes may make up to 20% of the blend, 
no single one of these grapes individually can make up more than 10% of the blend. I kind of hate when they do this. It's like so hyper specific, (laughs) but that's the way. Uh, This is also the same for white wines, which must be a minimum of 50% Claret, Bourboulanc, or Uni Blanc, but may also contain Roussin, a grape that we talked about pretty extensively when we talked about the Rhone, uh, Sauvignon Blanc. Oh, I wrote Sauvignon Blanc here. It is Sauvignon Blanc. Okay. I had a moment. I was like, oh, no, I didn't say which Sauvignon, but now I've gone ahead and and put in my notes that it was, in fact, Sauvignon Blanc. So I've self-corrected. There we go. Uh, But also Vermentino and Semillon. Though the whites here are definitely a little bit less common than the reds and the rosés, which, like I mentioned, are really kind of the crown jewel of Bandol and of the greater Provence area. This is really rosé country. And while we're on the topic of what is allowed and what is not allowed, there are a few rules here other than what grapes you can use about how you make the wines. All the grapes in Bendel have to be hand harvested, which when you think about it, they're planted on these, you know, um, narrow terraces. So you're not really going to be able to take a tractor up there. So it, it, that, that just kind of tracks and makes sense. And also there is no chapitalization allowed here by AOP rules. And that means that they are not allowed to add any sweetening agents to the grape must to make the resulting wine higher in alcohol. Which also makes sense because these grapes get a lot of sun and should have very, very little trouble getting ripe and producing alcohol. Okay, so now that we know the grapes and the rules, like I said, This is a pretty deep dive, so we're going to talk a little bit about the communes of production. So commune of production, what does that even mean? Well, basically it means that in a place that has been delimited, like an AOP or in Italy, a DOCG, they can have multiple little towns that actually make up that area. So even though Bandol is a city in its own right that lends its name to the greater wine region that makes up the Bandol AOP, There are some other villages around the center here that are making wine. So closest to the sea, sitting right next to the coast, you have Bandol, which even though it is the name of the region, is still technically its own commune. And Bandol sits right in the middle. So to the west of Bandol on the coast, you have Saint-Cyr-sur-Mer and Lelec, L-E-C-Q-U-E-S. And then to the east, you have, this is a very hard one to say, It's one of those French words that's like much more vowels than consonants, but Uliwi, Uliwi, and Sanary. So Uliwi is O-L-L-I-O-U-I-S, and Sanary, which is like it's spelled, or like it sounds. Uh, Then we go farther inland, where the terraced vineyards are. And up on the hill, you have Plan du Castellet, La Cadière d'Azur, Saint Anne d'Avenos, you have Le Bosset, you have Le Castellet, you have also La Cardière d'Azur, you have Le Brûlé, and also Saint Anne de Castellet, which even though these names sound very similar, they are indeed all different villages that make up the greater area that is the Bandol AOP. And of course, we'll finish with just a few producers that you should look out for if you're looking to try some of these wines. I highly recommend. I like the wines of Bandol a lot. So the first that I'm going to mention, 
And if you are a wine person, you've definitely heard of them. You've definitely seen this bottle around. And that is Domaine du Tempier. If you are in wine or if you've worked in wine before, this wine is going to ring a bell. It's an iconic producer from the region, and it is pretty much considered to be the benchmark for what Bandol Rosé should taste like. This house has been making wine since 1834, and they are quite well known for using biodynamic and organic farming, though this is quite common in Provence and in the south of France, where there is less pressure from fungus and mildew because it's so hot and dry. So organic farming is just that much easier. They source their wine from three separate vineyard plots, La Tortine, Cabaseo, and La Migua. And they are definitely a good place to start if you're looking for quality wines from this area. Though they can run a little mid-range to expensive depending on your market. I also really like Chateau Pibernon. This is an example of really, really great bandole. And these are wines that are made right up in the mountains, and you can still see a fantastic view of the ocean from there atop their hills, which really just shows how large the influence of the Mediterranean is here. Uh, Their red wine is almost entirely Mouvedre, with just a very, very small amount of Grenache. So if you're looking to try an almost mono-varietal Mouvedre, this is the place to get it. And they're a house that has gotten quite a bit of attention in terms of creating notoriety for the quality of their wines and for the potential of the area. Now, Bandol is, like I said, not a super cheap wine, unfortunately. These wines, the Tempier and the Pipernon, probably run about $40 to $50, give or take, um, though they might be cheaper in your market than in my market. So if you're living in the U.S. or Europe, (laughs) then you might have a better luck uh, getting a hold of these. Um, But if you're looking for a quaffable rosé, this also might not be it. Next week, we're going to talk all about quaffable rosés, everything that Provence has to offer, um, which is just a ton, a ton more rosé. But if you are interested in those producers, you can find them in the show notes below. I always leave a link to the producers. And if you are down there, I guess this is a good a good place to segue out. If you are down there in the show notes, uh, take just two minutes out of your, not even two minutes, like 20 seconds out of your day and give this podcast uh, some stars or a little review. That goes a really long way to showing me that you are enjoying what I'm doing because it's 100% independent. I write, I record... I set up the pillow for it, and then I edit, and then it goes to you. So it's it's literally just me doing this thing. But other than that, if you do spot something you would like uh, to chat about, a comment, a correction, anything, uh, feel free to look me up on the Instagram, and that is Housewine Podcast at Instagram. I'm trying to get better at posting stuff. I'm just so bad at posting on Instagram. Uh, You can also look me up if you want to see um, what I'm up to, mostly pictures of my dog, at Rachel Picard. That's R-A-C-H-A-E-L and Picard like the captain. Uh, And lastly, this podcast also has an email. That's housewinepodcast at gmail.com. Next time, we're going to be talking about all the myriad rosés of Provence. We're going to go into all the other AOPs, everything Provence has to offer. We're going to keep it light and summery. All right, go drink some rosé. I'll see you guys in a couple weeks. Bye.